Welcome to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I'm your host, Leah Bowden, and over here we learn from, celebrate and lean into the teachings of educator Charlotte Mason, whilst focusing on how they truly impact a 21st century expression of childhood, motherhood and education. Welcome back to the Modern Miss Mason podcast from a very wet and grey and somewhat dreary West Midlands here in England. I do hope the weather is a little bit better where you are. Um, I'm going to be jumping straight into our interview in just a moment. I will let you know who I'll be talking to, um, but I just want to let you know a little bit about the collective. As uh, as you know, I don't have any sponsors over here, but I do keep you posted on my Modern Miss Mason membership, which is called the Collective. And the reason why I am my heart is so full, uh, which it is after most of the times that we gather together on on the community. But last night was the second half of our book club studying and reading together the Wendell Berry book Hannah Coulter and it's a beautiful book I don't know if you've read it it's absolutely gorgeous and I mean just so exquisitely written of course but the the actual story I mean Wendell is is writing from a female perspective which is amazing and um it's just about motherhood and parenting and love and loss and grief and um and the conversation we had last night was just so rich and so beautiful i wish you were there um if you would like to hop on to those book club conversations every single book club conversation is recorded so when you join the collective you can watch all the replays forevermore i mean you'll be busy enough for a whole year watching the replays never mind uh catching up with the community today just before i came on to record the intro of today's podcast someone joined up to the collective so hello and welcome uh we are glad that you signed up today and i hope it's a great experience for you if you are listening so you can sign up to the collective by clicking on the link in the details of this podcast or you can go to the bio in my instagram or go to leahbowden.com and next week if you sign up this week it's your key time to come because next week is workshop week and on monday evening so this podcast is coming out to you on friday the 20th of october and on monday evening um a little bit earlier than we usually do but that's because i'm traveling next week but more about that on monday um, but on Monday evening, we will be running our workshop, which is kind of like a, a mini conference talk. That's really how I run it. But then, you know, inviting you into the conversation. And on Monday, we're going to get down to the kind of gritty details of what it's like to navigate homeschooling, raising children, running a home, possibly a business, keep, you know, continuing to learn and grow yourself. And maybe even if you're at the stage of life that I'm in, also dealing with your own changes and emotions, um, how does that all work? How do we flourish um, rather than flounder in, in, the, in this long but privileged period of our life as we're raising and educating children? So it's going to be a bit of a mentoring, coaching kind of, of a workshop where I'm going to be looking at tools um giving some insight but looking at tools for the trade as you grow as a home educator so if you if that sounds interesting to you please jump on to the collective before monday evening uk time so jump onto the collective and if you go on to as you join you will get um, an introductory video you'll get all the details but you basically want to go to the event section and all the details for the workshop is there there's a zoom link of course, if you miss it, you can watch the replay. But I would love for my podcast listeners to join up, sign up this weekend and come and check out that workshop. But of course, there is a whole year of recordings um, for you to catch up on as well. And, and even if you don't get time to do that, come and be a part of the community because 
they are the most wonderful women i am just i feel so honored being a part of it not only running it but so there we go there's my little my little plug for the collective please do join us um this is definitely the day to do it so whether you need to pause now and just head over sign up remember you can cancel at any time just sign up for a month if you like <laughs> but i've got people who've been on there for the whole year and they're loving it and don't do not plan to leave um but do that now if you want pause come go and join the collective and then come back and listen to today's interview so today i'm sharing an interview that i i did with author katie westenberg and Katie's the author of two books, one called I Choose Brave and the second one, which we are really honing in on today because there were so many aspects of it that really struck my attention is called But Then She Remembered How to Give God Your Full Attention in a Distracted World. Now, as you can hear already, this is a faith based conversation. Um, Katie is writing from a Christian perspective and from a biblical perspective. So um just so you know that's what the whole conversation is about so hopefully um it is something that anyone can listen to but um just so you if that's not the way of your life um yeah you are prepared when you begin to listen so katie and i do speak in this we do kind of um take this conversation from a place of uh, two Christian women talking to each other and we share stories. She shares parts from the book, but I really dig into this idea of uh, paying attention and, you know, reflecting on what Charlotte Mason says and trying to tie all that into um, the emphasis Katie has on helping people to begin to pay attention, not only to their life, and to their family and to the present moment they're in, but how to give God your full attention in this very, very distracted world. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Please do go and check out Katie's work and um, go and check out her Instagram and her other book. And um, I hope you enjoy this really lovely, lively conversation. Uh, let's jump in. Here is Katie Westenberg. It is such an honor to have you on the Modern Miss Mason podcast. Um, here I am in England. It's 7 p.m. and dark and you're just getting the day going over there, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. Off to a slow start here, but I'm happy to be here. It's um, 11 o'clock in Washington. Okay. So you've got some catching up on the day to do while That's I'm right. wrapping up over here. In <laughs> fact, the thing that just happened in my life is that I I don't do this very often, but I just cooked a really failed dinner. Do you ever do that? When I'm like, this went really wrong. I tried to yes. do fried sweet potato, uh, sweet potato fries from scratch. And there was some sausage and green beans, which all sounds great. Just was not good. Mm, so disappointing. <laughs> the effort and everything. So disappointing. <laughs> now, um, our listeners obviously already know a little bit about you from my introduction. But why don't you, as as way of a, a deeper introduction to who you are, could you uh, tell us, give us a bit of insight into what a semi-typical day might look like for you in your life? Uh, and you can include anyone and anything into that. Okay. Wow. So let's think of a semi-typical day. They're, they're mostly <laughs> atypical around here, but I guess yes. there's some yeah. continuity in that. So I have been married for 22 years and we have four kids. And so my oldest is 18. He graduated this summer. And then my youngest is 11. I have two boys and two girls. So mostly teenagers in this house Yeah, and, and they're involved in all of the things. So it kind of depends on what sport season we're in over here, but mainly we're just, we get up, we get going, we get the school day going and they're pretty independent too. So that's kind of interesting. Nice. You know, they, they, they need my help when they hit these roadblocks more or less, I might help them coach them in the math and stuff like that. So, so whatever subject that is giving them trouble logic, or last night we were making a historical timeline that was due for a class today that they were wanting help with. So just mm -hmm. helping picking up the pieces when they're, when they're hitting roadblocks there. Um, yeah, then then usually we have dinner in some form together and then activities in the evening. And that's what it's like out here. So when do you write? Usually early mornings. I am a, a morning person. So I'm up between five and five thirty. Okay. And that's when I get my writing and studying and, and that focus time done. 
Great. I mean, you do, I think, I mean, so you are obviously a home educating mum uh, mm-hmm. for children. You and I are very similar in that way. My oldest is nearly 21. So mm-hmm. um, a similar story there. But yeah, the fringe hours are important, aren't they? Getting, they getting are, these yeah. uh, extra projects. And, and I will obviously, we'll be jumping into your book this is for the uh for the collective membership they can see a see a, the, your book cover there and this is your most recent publication but then she remembered and uh, your first you have two books out did That's i miss correct. one okay two so your first one was called i choose brave uh-huh. so people can get uh, get googling but this is great how to give god your full attention in a distracted world. And I know that already the audience will be like, ooh, attention. That's what we talk about over here. <laughs> and we do. So we are going to jump into that. Um, but we really want to, um, I especially want to honor each person who comes onto the podcast. And um, Charlotte Mason's first principle is that children are born persons and they obviously grow up to be adults like you and I. And the personhood of, of each individual um is where everything starts. So we're going to jump in there, Katie, and then we'll see where we go. But I would love to know, think about considering who you are today and, you know, what God has you doing and what your family looks like and what you're um, kind of, uh, yeah, I guess developing. Did you see seeds of that in your childhood? Are Are there kind of, when you reflect back, can you see seeds of who you are today in your childhood? And if so, question number two, which I'll just let you flow and talk then, um, was that encouraged? Did your you know, parents, adults in your life, how did they draw that out if they did? Mm-hmm. I love this question because this is really what even the book is about, right? It's about remembering. It's about looking back and, and thinking about those things. And I don't think we always do this intentionally. So you forced me just in asking this question to think through, what is that like? And some of those things I've thought through before, but I actually called my mom yesterday and, and said, what is this? What is this like, mom? Like, at, help me think through some of these things, what this was like from childhood, what you recognized, what you did intentionally. So those are really fun conversations to have and really healthy thinking. That's so great. I would say I noticed some of those threads early on. Like I've always loved to write. I one some essay contest with a hundred dollar savings bond when I was in fourth grade. So maybe that, Love that. <laughs> <very> <laughs> beginning of all of it, but so the, I, I had a proclivity for certain things, certain things came easier. Um, but then at the same time, I, I think I was kind of broad and sc- so scope and sequence. So I would tell you that my worst subject would probably be math, right? That was something I never Ugh. loved. I had to work really hard to do well. That just wouldn't be my strength. Um, but in middle school, I was on the math team and we, we competed. And I thought that's kind of funny that I did that because I, I never really loved it, but I knew I could do it. And it was a challenge and it was fun to work hard with these other kids. So thinking about that broadly, I, I was thinking how my parents really encouraged me and whatever it was I wanted to do, they never really threw me in a lane and said, you know, try this and, and go down this lane. It was whatever you want to do. I want you to know that you can do it. You can work hard and right. it doesn't have to be your very best gift. You don't have to be the very best at it, but if you want to go try that, you can do it, Katie. So it was that kind of confidence that I think was super healthy. I just have one brother, but he was actually the same way. So I, I got to ask my mom some of those questions like, what did you do to make us that way? And, and that's also interesting to think about because I think we encourage a whole lot more intentionality today than maybe even my parents had. Cause my mom said, yeah. you know, there weren't all these books and all these podcasts and all this access to information. We kind of just did the best we could. And, and if you wanted to do it, we're like, absolutely, let's do it. We'll encourage you and support you to do that. So she said, I, d- I don't know if we were as intentional as you were, but somehow that communicated to confidence in whatever it is that we wanted to do. So that was really helpful to me. I love that. Um, <clears throat> I love that because I think that your mum's right. There's so, there seems to be, uh, well, there are so many voices now, aren't there? There's so many things screaming at us, do this, do it this way. And so many more options, <laughs> which uh, which we'll get into, which is making us more distracted than ever. And that kind of like, we're all over the place. Um, but being able to observe in our children 
um, little sparks of life, things that are kind of bringing them alive, things that you know there's maybe a gifting there, maybe a skill that they're they're naturally kind of moving towards, and then just gently spot, just noticing that in them sometimes, just saying, hey, "That's great. That sounded great when you played that on your guitar or that piece of writing or, or a, a artistic stuff. Creative things are often seen in childhood, aren't they? And then they're they're kind of brought out. And um, and I don't think parents need to be pushy or suddenly spend tons of money on on a course or resources but actually um yeah sometimes it's just a gentle calling out and and encouraging uh, which, which is so wonderful um and so so what about um your curiosity around matters of theology and bible study um like where did that start from where did that come from yeah. Well, my dad was a pastor, so I've yes. been in the church pew for as long as I can remember, really. But the interesting thing about that is when people are raised in the church, often they have as many good experiences as they do negative experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So sometimes yep. we run the other direction. <laughs> yeah. But um, and I have thought a lot about that because I don't know if the Lord just guarded my heart. I saw plenty of things that that weren't favorable, right? I I never grew up thinking the church was perfect, but I always had a love for the church. So I think that also came from my parents because even mm. though they endured some of those experiences that weren't favorable, they always spoke highly of the church. They always had a regard for the church. Yeah. So, um, so that interest was always there. I would say not, um, not maybe as keenly as my parents would have liked when I was a teenager. I had those times where I wondered and I had to figure it out for myself a little bit. When I became a young adult, that's when I was like, wait a minute, I want to know more here. I want to pursue these things. I want to study more and really had to own my faith for myself rather than it just being my parents. Mm. So, um, so I don't want to paint that as a perfect picture, but I do love the thought that I I was able to grow up in the church and still love the church. Yeah, that is great. And for all of us, there is a point where we do have to make a decision for ourselves, uh, not only in our faith and our recognizing of the, the reality of the gospel for us as individuals, as we see in our children, uh, but also how we practice that and how what that looks for our family and how we outwork that in community. And that can be, you know, that can be hard for families where that looks different for their children mm -hmm. and where they yeah. maybe take a slightly different path. And, you know, I've seen it so many times. Um, but yeah, I think there are, I love stories of legacy, stories of spiritual heritage being passed down and seeing seeing the fruit of that. Um, and I do, I particularly loved your story, which I thought was amazing, actually, um, how, you, uh, this is a spoiler, guys, spoiler alert <laughs> for the book, where you got uh, you, the church you're a part of practices um, full immersion baptism. Just mm -hmm. because people listening might have all sorts of uh, understanding of baptism, right. and you realized at the age of forty that you probably should do this. Yes, yes, <laughs> and ran for it for many years because of that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? How yeah. something that can be so almost it it maybe is cultural for so many kids mm -hmm. growing up in the church, like oh yeah, that's for everybody else. Mm -hmm. That actually it. And I, and I loved it because, well, one, I was like, how did they miss that? How did the church miss that? <laughs> <laughs> well, who wasn't asking? But also that you were brave enough to recognize it's not too late. Mm -hmm. I'm not exempt from this just because. And um, yeah, just jump right in there. And um, yeah, that was that was a I, I, I was sharing that part with my husband. I was like, listen to this. Um, yeah, really, well, really. Some of that is to not, not be riddled with shame, right. Yes. For our own, like, okay, right. that wasn't a wise decision on my part. You know, what, what did I neglect? What did I miss? But I think there's a humility in realizing in our understanding of the church and faith and the gospel, any of that, we probably all have gaps and holes and spaces, just Absolutely. like our own education. So yes. I'm going to be humble enough to say, you know what, I, I missed yeah. it here. And let's, let's work on yeah. redeeming that rather than just like yeah. hiding. It but that's the example I want to live before my kids. So sometimes Absolutely. you have to very, very, Absolutely. And that is part of, uh, you know, discipleship is if it's emulation of pattern, impartation of life, watching someone else do uh yeah humbly walk out uh this path towards jesus seeing that actually you, you we spot our mistakes we say hey i and, and i'll do that i'll be like you know what i used to believe this mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And I recognize sometimes some of my belief system wasn't based on my own study and conviction, but it was based on what somebody else was telling me to believe. And I've had to come years down the path and go, hmm, you know what? I'm sorry if I said stuff during that time that wasn't great. That may have hurt you. Yeah. And so we will have those time and time again. And it's, it is very humbling. Um, but his mercies are new every morning. Thankfully, right. <laughs> which is and we good. just keep on learning. We just keep every on day. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, um, I kind of I'm tempted to ask you about both books, but we're going to focus on on this because <laughs> I think we can. Uh, I'll, I'll people will sh- um will look will look you up and we'll we'll look up your um uh, I choose brave, but the book that's just come out. When did it come out? Like uh, just last- in April. Oh, in April. Okay. Um, so it's called, but then she remembered um, how to give God your full attention in a distracted world. So can you give us the backstory? Like, where did that come from? Um, what, what gave you the kind of inspiration for that and made you think I'm going to do a book proposal? this book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I just noticed the problem with distraction in my own life, right? There's, there's right. a certain amount of that, that we all feel, um, because the world has changed the world I grew up in doesn't exist anymore. Right. There's all this technology and there's these resources that I value as tools that are very helpful mm. to how we learn and how we communicate in the world today. But I also noticed them infringing on some of my focus. Right. So, so just that sort of apathy that we kind of live with. And then at the same time, I'm raising these teenagers. Okay. So at at the time I'm really thinking about this book, they're just starting to become teenagers. And I'm wondering how am I going to teach them and lead them well in something I haven't necessarily even figured out yet. Right. I still think it's kind of just like jumping off one side of the cliff or the other. Do I know how to manage this well in order to lead them? Well, and some of them is just the humility of we're learning, we're figuring it out. It's, it's a back and forth approach. So um, that was really what caught my interest. The same time I'm reading through scripture and seeing what happens. Well, well, God commands people all the time to remember and what happens when they forget. So I'm kind of Mm -hmm. noticing those themes in there. And then I guess the third component of that is my dad was going through some heart issues at the time I was working on this, some massive heart issues. He was super healthy. And then all of a sudden had fallen ill, had a heart attack and had a quadruple bypass surgery that didn't go well. So he languished in the hospital. And next thing we know, we're at the university hospital with some doctors who said that he needs to have a heart transplant. And just, I'm sitting with my parents in a situation you just don't ever think you're going to be in. I never thought what this would look like, what, what decisions we'd need to make. And I got to have some really interesting conversations with different doctors about how that works. Like, how does the body take on a new heart? And I started to read about memory, even at the cellular level, like how there's these neopeptides in our heart that, that they kind of remember. It's super interesting to think. So I was reading just, just for my own interest, how does this work and thinking, of course, our bodies down to a cellular level are made to remember God designed them for obedience. So that was just kind of blowing my mind. And that's where all the work kind of came together and I just started writing. I love it. It, I, I found it. I found many elements quite challenging, but the whole concept, um, there's so much, and we're, I'm going to uh, dig into it. Uh, I've got got my little page saver tabs throughout the book. Um, but I am, I'm not a massively reflective person, um, <clears throat> which may surprise some people. But when I, I don't know if you've ever done the strengths finder test, mm-hmm. uh, one of the many that are available, one of the many uh, personality kind of assessment things out there. And I remember many years ago, I was in a work team and we did this strengths finder test. And my number one was learner, which is definitely who I am. But number two was futuristic, which mm-hmm. basically defined me as this person who is always looking ahead. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> always uh, seeing down the road, planning the next thing. And, you know, I love New Year. I'm just mm-hmm. like, move on. Let's get going. <laughs> let's let's plan for the New Year. I am a planner. I'm like gung-ho. And I think over the years, um, I've had to really assess that. And, and, and your book reminded me of that kind of sober assessment of what are you rushing on to? There's so much to bring. And we do bring with us, don't we? We bring stories and and you talk about that we bring memories and but it challenged me again on am I pausing to remember am I marking a place of of remembering in in my family life in my own personal journey and of course in my my faith journey just seeing um 
I wrote down one thing uh, just today again, looking through it. And I wrote down um, this revelation that came to me a few years ago. And again, it's to do with this and you can probably speak into this, but this idea of recognizing you're living in answered prayer and remembering that. So like mm-hmm. things I prayed for as, you know, as a young mother and a young woman, I am actually living today, but we start to take things for granted. We just were mm-hmm. sat in this answered prayer and I have to remember. So you talk about stories and I want to jump in there. I kind of feel like I've gone to the second, like the the the, the, the last third of the book there, but talk to us about stories and using stories to remember and I mean feel free to you know obviously share from the book um but tell me more about that why is that important and uh yeah speak into any of that part (laughs) that you that you feel yeah well there's a common saying that says don't look back we're not going that way yeah and and I, I get the heart behind that like there's hard things that we've made it through that we don't want to just stare back at and dwell on but I think really remembering at its base it it produces a heart of gratitude even when right. you told me to you know you asked me to look back at my childhood like what things I, I could take credit for those things on my own I just work really hard now and I I write a lot and that's how I get this yeah. done you know but to look back with gratitude and think you know my parents facilitated growth there were educators in my life that saw sparks of interest and, and I owe a debt of gratitude to them. I, yeah, yeah. Your, maybe your parents and your grandparents prayed for you to meet a spouse someday or whatever. Like what debt of gratitude do I owe that I might go on in my own pride and ignorance if I don't look back and say, wait a minute, there, yeah. there are stories behind that. And one, one story from the book that I just love, my husband and I were getting gardening seeds several years ago at a local feed store. And so I said, and this was like just after COVID when they were saying there might not be any garden seed, you know, you need to get it because we're, I don't know, we're going to yeah. put away food. So we're getting our garden seed early. And he's looking at the potatoes and they have the seed potatoes there. And this old farmer, probably in his seventies wearing a big overalls. And he says to my husband, uh, you want the red Pontiacs? And my husband said, Oh, I do. You know, what, what are those? And he said, Oh, the, those red Pontiacs. My, my mom used to make them. We lived in Alaska and she would cream those red Pontiacs. We'd plant a whole row and we'd bring them in and she'd cream them up and we'd have cream potatoes and peas. And I don't even know what cream potatoes and peas are, but I was just watching this farmer. And then he started talking about like the spaghetti sauce she made when she grew these tomatoes in her garden. And I thought, here he is, 70 some years old. I don't know how long his mom's been gone. I don't know how many years it's been since he's been in that kitchen in Alaska. But he's remembering with such love, like these meals that she made for him. And I thought, you know, I'm up there, you know, here you are burning uh, sweet potato fries in your kitchen, right? And I just think, (laughs) what is the lasting value of any of this? I'm just trying to feed people and it's hard some days, you know? Um, but he remembered with such kindness and love and gratitude what she had did that he's, it's just like overflowing out of him and his overalls oh, and a feed that. store out of nowhere. And I thought, you know, I, I want to take these things seriously when I'm investing in my kids, all of this counts, like all of it that we're giving it all counts because we're investing for a lifetime in them. So um, yeah, just little stories you wouldn't even think matter. And at the same time, and there's all kinds of re- research that I just love on how our brains work. And, and one of them, one ways memories are solidified is through the recall of them. So as he's remembering, like the synaptic connections in his brain are happening and he's loving his mom even more as he's remembering these stories that could otherwise be lost and not passed on. So that. that's the power of telling those stories. Yeah. My, um, my husband went through a phase of, well, the children probably drew it out of him, but he would, um, you know you generally put your children to bed when they're little read them a story pray maybe put some music on and they went through a stage of particularly with him I don't know why it was more with him I guess I was with them all day so it was kind of like dad time yeah and they would say tell us a story about when you were a little boy and I was amazed at how many stories he had because <laughs> they, they asked me and I'm like I yeah. I was more well-behaved than my husband was. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a few more kind of mischievous stories, but mm-hmm. they just love them. And even if he repeated them, sometimes they will, they would say, tell us the story of when that thing happened. And he just be like, but you know, that one is like, tell us again. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that part of their childhood, that, that kind of that evening routine and Dave just loving, like wondering what are they going to draw out of me this evening and them wanting to connect with their dad on, um, from his childhood. And and Mm -hmm. that's important, isn't it? To tell our children 
our stories. And, and you know, my my parents are amazing. They I grew up in a leadership family and everything. But um, my mom has an incredible testimony of how she came to to Christ and was a single mom and just has this really powerful story. Mm-hmm. And I remember being about 12 years old, sat on a bus up in the north of England and her for the first time sharing the the fullness of that story with us. And we were all, I mean, I remember being emotional, but it wasn't just, this is the story of our family, but it was, look at what God did. Mm-hmm. Look at how this has impacted who we are today. Mm-hmm. And so I love to tell, I love to tell my children how their grandparents met Jesus and, and what yeah. how that impacted me and then them and it's so important isn't it just those mm-hmm. wonderful stories I'm sure you have that in your family too yeah yeah well and I mean that's that's how we give glory to God like I, yes. I don't want some other story to be told there's another story I share in the book about this property that we live on and when we bought it and, and the decisions we made of should we build a house here? And it was a, a very thoughtful process, but, and my kids were pretty small then. I think my oldest was like seven and then the, the youngest was just a baby. And it wasn't just a couple of years ago where I started talking through that, you know, you, as they get older, you talk about your finances more and you talk about all the yes. specifics. And I, yeah. I assumed they knew this story. I assumed they knew what decisions we made and how we made that decision. And, and they didn't know any of it. They all just sat there with rapt attention. And I, I assume because they lived it, but they didn't live, you know, they lived it as, as young children, as toddlers. Right. Right. So when I said, no, like this is how we did. And I thought if I didn't tell them that story, a different story might be told that oh, yes. mom and dad made a, a good real estate decision at this time. Like, no, that's not how it happened at all. Like, I want to make sure the story is told rightly. I want to tell the story of God's faithfulness mm. to our family. So they know that and they can pass that on. And then when we look at the big picture of scripture, like that's really what we see. We see the same stories being told yes, and told and threaded to the new Testament because mm. God knew our frame. He knew we forget. And, and he wanted that story to be told again and again. And that's what we're told to pass those on to our children, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Pass mm-hmm. them on, pass them down. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes me think of the, um, when we see in scripture, the, the building of altars and altars were built to, um, to give glory to God, to, to, to worship him, but also to remember what he, he had done. And I often think about that. I mean, Dave and I are both, as we started our publishing journey and, and we've just started to see different opportunities open up, we've started to buy a rose bush every time we get a deal or a book comes out. And it was mm-hmm. it's almost like an altar building moment of, okay, and we get them with very significant names. So I've got an Emily Bronte in my garden. And uh, <laughs> He has I a Peter Pan. Yeah. And oh. and we it's almost like an altar building, like a thank you. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for what you're going to do with this. And as this bush and flower gl- gl- uh, grows and blooms. Mm-hmm. So so that's our prayer over this project, over this book. And we only just started doing that a few years ago, and I've, I've shared it uh, on, on various sort of things. But there's something about that kind of discipline of pausing marking the moment um and it doesn't have to be a rose bush or a a pile of bricks but it it can be anything can't it it's like let's just pause let's remember let's Mm -hmm. thank god and then we move forward absolutely Um, yeah and that's where i I feel sometimes the world is is counterculture to this because we live in a moment by moment where feeds just refresh and refresh and things are lost so it it does feel counterculture to stop and like plant ourselves and say like, no, this is worth remembering. This is what, what is happening again and again, refreshing the feed that that's not Matt. That doesn't matter at this moment as much as like what, what God has done in the past. And this mm. is who he's been in our family. So I want to take time to uh, reiterate those things as well. I think I'm just thinking about uh, motherhood and even home educating and, and we're with our children a lot. There, mm-hmm. there are so many memories, aren't they? Day after day. I mean, some are hard and <laughs> some are mundane and some are really challenging. And then there are many, many that are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet here we are, both of us sat here, like kids are 18, 19, 21. They're getting, you know, they're in their teens. And um, I'm thankful for, for photography and Instagram feeds that go back years yes. and years because suddenly they get this this little glimpse of, oh yeah, I remember persevering through that day or I remember um, praying for that child at that moment or I remember celebrating that achievement. 
And um, sometimes we've got to have, I don't know, I wonder if it's important to have those forums where we do that mother to mother. Uh, mm. to say remember where you've come where you've come from remember what you've persevered through remember what has happened um have you seen that happen do you have that with other mom friends have you ever experienced that and I, I don't really think I have with other moms like we do that as a family right like or yes. even at someone's birthday we sit around the table and we discuss like all the memories with that person oh, I love that think, yeah like that that's the same intentional remembering but I don't know if I've seen it with other moms no and I think it, it could be so valuable because what you probably recognize as well, every season of motherhood is, is different. So now I'm on yes. the season of like starting to launch kids and there's yeah. parts about it that are sad and that are scary. Yeah. And, and will they find a spouse? What will that look like with new people mm. in our family? I was just talking to someone about that the other night. It feels like a whole sea of unknown it where is. I need to yeah. learn to trust God again and again. I haven't yes. done this before. I can't rely on my reflexes for this one. So I need That's to say, right wait a minute. I want to see God's faithfulness. I want to see his faithfulness with those small things, the math curriculum that had me pulling my hair out or whatever, yes. you know, like, was he faithful? Then do I believe he will be now? And that really That's is right. heart shifting. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, our, our eldest daughter moved out almost a year ago. She left and uh, moved down further down about four hours South. And that was a huge learning curve of my heart, emotions, memories, everything, because mm -hmm. I wanted to launch her. I was excited for her. She had great plans ahead. But I also was very conscious of that. This could be a quite a fearful time. And I never, I want to learn now. I don't want to launch a child out of fear or in fear. And mm -hmm. so I had to kind of hold those thoughts captive, make sure I was like, okay, this is part of raising children this is part of what adults are supposed to do they're supposed to go and we send them with with prayer and with a great love and resource them where we can but I remember taking and this is only a year ago and I remember taking a week I decided you'll be proud of me to not rush on mm -hmm. and we were going to switch the girls bedrooms decorate start moving furniture and it was really strange nobody wanted to do it for quite for about a week everyone said no not yet and we just left everything and then we just talked about her and we just remembered we mm -hmm. remembered her and who she was to us and our family and and then when and I and I cried a lot but not out of fear or out of kind of clinginess, mm -hmm. but it was an emotion of an awareness of a shifting of season in right. as a mother. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, I came through and I hope that even just saying that is helpful to other mothers listening who are getting to that stage, um, that it's okay to feel the, the intensity of the feeling. And then we, you know, it was probably about a week later and we said, okay, let's start moving these rooms around. And, you know, yeah. we did our stuff, but um yeah that was a big lesson and that's child number one. Oh my goodness <laughs> get ready girl get ready yes. yes no I'm like taking notes over here because I'm in the same position next year my son will leave for flight school next year and I'm already wow. I'm already noticing the dynamics of yeah and you don't want to clench fists hold on tighter but there is a reality of the sadness that it's not going to look all the same you know everyone around the table having pancakes that's maybe a holiday you know it's know. not so yeah. yeah, to recognize that, but then yeah. to deal with it wisely, that really is our job. Yeah, it is our job. Um, I just want to, there's a part on page 120 where you talk about um, God's unrelenting, he's kind of the reminders in nature, in beauty. And many of my listeners will relate to this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what if the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these who can glory in repetition mm -hmm. in the unrelenting beauty of his reminders, his mm -hmm. sameness, that really is beauty itself. And then later on, you talk about Chester, you must have quoted, yeah, Chesterton, that's right. Mm -hmm. And you say, I think sunrises and sunsets as Chesterton suggests just might qualify. These are things made that speak of God's very nature. They are daily reminders. I've circled that various times of his character. I mean, that is amazing, Katie, that actually God wants us to remember every single day, every single day. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring that beautiful sun up Mm -hmm. And you're going to go about your day and then it's going to set again. And we know it is like, it's guaranteed. Tell me more about that when you were writing that. What what was happening in you? 
Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking of that very thing when you said your kids ask for the same stories for your husband, right? That's that monotony that we hunger for. Like, tell me again, I want to know this. Um, but I, I think some of that is is called to mind when we look at these crazy things that happen in the world yep. that feel very unsettling. You know, mm-hmm. this um, some of this was written during COVID, um, but now with just foreign relations being what they yeah. are, it becomes very concerning. And, and if we don't have, we can't look back and say, oh, we did it this way in the past because it kind of looks different. Like we don't even know what to do. And we're so prone to just getting on a newsfeed and scrolling. Like I want to know right. what's going on. There's nothing wrong with being aware of what's going on in the world, but there's also a point where that's consuming and it's not healthy for me to read every news site and the access to information is like we've never had before in history, right? Because Mm -hmm. everyone has a phone and they can publish stuff online. And so there's so much access where we can absorb that. And I need to remember, I need to look around me. I need to see that sunset still, still happening today and sunrise still happening tomorrow morning to remember, hold on, even though it feels like this is upside down and I can't control it. And I don't exactly know what the outcome is going to look like. I do know God's faithful. Right. And he was last year and the year before and in my grandma's life and throughout all of scripture, like, like yes. look back and get above the noise for a minute mm. um, to remember who he is and what he's done and who he's been in my life and the life of those lives of those people around me. Yeah. I love that so much. And, you know, we, uh, we have a great affinity with nature study over here at Mother Miss Mason. We, we practice it with our children and talk about the importance of that. But Charlotte Mason's in, in her, her, the foundation of that was, was to do with children connecting with their creator. Mm-hmm. And um, I had an, in, I did an interview with a botanist who was not a believer, we're not a Christian. And even the way he, his enthusiasm for the, um, repeated patterns in in the seasons. His enthusiasm for um, his particular uh, area of study was wildflowers, mm-hmm. and um, he he did, he talked to the, he talked about it like I would. He said, mm-hmm. you know, you can walk through an, an English park in April, and you can see the celandines coming up and the daisies coming up, and you and it's like you're greeting an old friend because mm-hmm. of this rep this this repetitive occurrence and appearance of these these beautiful the simplicity of that but you're like oh hey yeah it's you again nice to see you but almost and and I loved listening to him who was seeing it from a very scientific perspective Mm -hmm. and I'm there Mm -hmm. going yeah I see it that way but I'm like constantly in awe of thank you God that this is another reminder of um again this kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back around again just to just to reveal my glory reveal my yes. beauty yes. and and not only do we get that in seasons but like you said in this quote here we get it every day mm-hmm. that's mind-blowing I think yes. we you know people hopefully people will sit and ponder on that for for a while yes. um gosh I I could chat with you for ages <laughs> That reminds me of of an article I just read last week, I think it was in the Harvard Business Review, and they were talking about the heart of wisdom, like what makes us wiser as we age. And they talked about the ability to recognize patterns, because that's what makes us wise, right? And so all of that comes from a component of remembering. Can we remember that before and see those components. And I thought, yes, wouldn't we? And same thing, you know, you're talking about from a very secular source, but wouldn't we be designed for that to grow in wisdom and say, yes, and I know this is going to happen again. And this is going to happen. I can see those repeated patterns and that gives us wisdom for discernment and all of that. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So the book, I mean, you cover, you even cover habits at the back of this book, which again, listeners will love looking at that. I want to, I want to kind of wrap up our time uh, as we maybe come into a little landing here. Um, I want to get back to the the beginning, actually. I want to jump into, um, let me tell you what chapter it is, chapter two. And I, there's a part here where, I mean, I'd like you to speak into, I guess, um, this era that we're living in, and you already mentioned it, these kind of, you know, 30 second, 60 second videos, moments of uh, glimpses on social media, our attention span. I think you talk about this, don't you? It's shorter than ever. I'll let you share share that because that was fascinating. And I can you can see it, can't you? Um, but here, I think you're quoting from a paper. Maybe it is a Harvard one. 
Let me just, uh, sorry, I keep moving away from the microphone. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Dr. Margie or Margie Worrell. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. And um, I'll read the quote because I find it interesting. Um, and you can speak more into this for us. I think people will find this really interesting. So it says here, it would be convenient to blame distractions on undermining our ability to finish tasks efficiently perform at a level we know we are capable of or even focus on what we need to prioritize on any given day. But more often, our productivity levels measured in terms of what we accomplish in any set period of time are impacted less by the distractions themselves and more by the fact that we have simply not been clear about what we really want to focus our attention on. I mean, that is, that's kind of the story of many of our lives that we are blaming distraction, but actually, and this is something I've been saying repeatedly to my family and to myself, and I've written it down recently. I remember writing it in my journal. I just need to decide what to focus on. That's right. Mm -hmm. So speak into that a little bit more, Katie, tell us what you discovered and uh, if you can, like, how did that impact you? Yeah, I, I think the distractions really are more a symptom than a problem. Yes. And, and so we just want to take those away. If I could just get a dumb phone instead of a smartphone, can I just erase the apps or, and I've tried all of that, right? I've, I've put the yep. time limits and we can track all those things and, and they might be helpful for a certain amount of time. And that article really comes from a study where they tracked people who took these social media fasts, right? Mm. And, and they realized that without any other intentionality to focus on something else, we would just divert that time to other useless tasks. So, so they would binge Netflix instead, or, you know, we're not necessarily prone to spending that time on a good purpose. And it reminded me of when I first started writing, um, when the writing became a lot and there was a lot to manage, I needed some help in my home. You know, we're trying to, my husband and I were thinking, I I need a little help for the season. My kids are still pretty young. How are we going to do this? So we decided to hire a housekeeper. Yeah. And every other week, someone would come in and help with that work. So I have a little more freedom just to have fun with my kids. Right. So I was talking to a mentor about that and saying, you know, this is, this is the crux. It feels like there's no free time. All free time is used to clean the house now. And so she said, I think this is what you should do. However, I want you to be careful because everything else can absorb that time. So if you are is to get a housekeeper. So Saturday afternoons are for your kids, then make Saturday afternoons for your kids and hold yeah. yourself to that. I thought that was such great wisdom because that's what happens with distractions too. Like we can take those away and I can do all kinds of other useless things with my time. Yeah. But really is that it's not the distractions that are the problem. It's not focusing on we, what we want to focus on. So what do you want to spend this life on? If we know our days are numbered, our time with our kids are, is numbered and it's not to put insane pressure on those moments but I certainly don't want to waste them. And Mm. so worrying so much about, am I spending this much time on social media? Are these tools not helpful? helpful? I want to think, how do I want to spend my days with them? What do I want this to look like? And work from there, work backward from there, rather than just, you know, worrying about things I want to put band-aids on. Mm, That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, My my husband and I are always saying how when you write a book or any kind of in-depth project, it kind of, does a lot of work in us personally doesn't it and we end up uh whether that's just convicting us in certain ways or uh the revelation that i need to be living this if i'm putting these words out how did the book what impact did writing this book have on your life yeah it's challenging in in a lot of ways right we don't write books from the perspective of i've conquered this and i'm perfect at it and no so now I'm way. Book, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is really something that we constantly struggle with but yeah. um it has been super helpful. And to think through the science, just to see that the, how we can back it up with like, okay, God designed us to work this way. The science is proving that that's just amazing for me to see. It's fun to recognize the link when, when others don't right? see yeah, God yeah. work this way and our bodies do work this way if I will use them well. So it's really right. just a challenge to me when I'm constantly speaking about it or doing interviews and those kind of things. It's reminding me, this is what I want to live. It's reminding me to make that choice again and again, and think about the practical tools and the applicable tools that we can do to, to make this happen in our lives and set that example for our children so it's just something to constantly be working on but it's yeah. it's easy to do with baby steps it's little little things at a time absolutely I listened to I wrote down a quote yesterday from a video I was watching and the lady had studied habits extensively and she was saying how um there are many statistics and figures out there people say it takes 21 21 days it takes 60 days it takes yes. and she kind of listed off all the different theories 
And she said, I believe that habits take a lifetime. That's That was her stance on it. And I was like, yes, I kind of like mm-hmm. my ears picked up. Like, yes, that is my my experience. And she said, you just have to focus to pick, you know, choose the thing you're working on and start it and keep going. Just keep going. And I was like, yeah, again, it's a matter of focus. It's a matter of decision making, kind of drawing aside the noise and the crowds and everything else and just keep going Mm -hmm. and um I I know I've seen the fruit of that in my life I've seen you know that is my story is that the things that have mattered most have been the things that I have chosen every day uh and and you know when when things you know go kind of a bit awry and you just you start again the next day you just (laughs) whatever that is um yeah yeah I found that really interesting just. Yeah. It's having a singular focus. Right. And, and yes. then when those things, they, they're not going to completely throw me off course or the next new idea, you know, that yeah. that's not after. this is, this is Mm-mm. what I'm about right here. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that is a big one for me. I have a lot of ideas. I'm like, <laughs> that's why I love my husband. He's like, okay, well, let's just come back to what you are doing. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know do these things well. <laughs> so just to let people know, um, about the book is that um, they at the end of every chapter, you have this wonderful kind of opportunity to pause and to study and to fill in some stuff. It would be great to do in a group with a friend or even personally, you know, you could do it on your own. Uh, but it's it's a great it's kind of a it has a little guide at the end. Um, have you heard that people have been doing it in 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 Bible study groups and stuff. Yes, you, yeah, yes. yeah. And, you know, I had some requests for that with the first book, so I I approached the publisher. This time, can we do a little more in depth work at the end yes. of every chapter? So they allowed me to do that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And, and so you've got the the real kind of meat of the content, which is just so interesting. It's lovely to read. Um, I really there's lots of underlining in mine, and um, it's one of those that I know I'll return to. I will remember and go back to. <laughs> but Katie, as we as we wrap up our time together, um you know, kind of going on what you've learned through through writing and publishing this book. Is there something you'd like to leave us with? Is there a, a, a thoughts or a, a bit of wisdom that we can um, leave for our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. I would just encourage them that this isn't unnecessarily hard, right? This isn't mm. a, a whole new task or a huge diet or upsetting all of it. it. It's really a lens through which we view the world to say that like, I, I'm in a part of a really big story, you know, for, for history and for generations, I'm a part of this huge story. And so how do I want to live that out? What, what do I want that to look like? So when you get that singular focus to think, I'm going to keep that in mind, like all these new ideas and all this fresh content and these tools that in many ways are very, very good and healthy and helpful. Um, but they don't have to derail my focus. So I'm going to be a woman who remembers what my purpose is here, what I'm doing, and I'm going to be intentional about living that out. Love that. Katie, it has been a real honor to have you on the podcast. Um, Thank you for this rich conversation. And I do hope people uh, go and buy the book. But then I remembered by Katie Westenberg, How to Give God Your Full Attention in a Distracted World, available wherever you buy books from. And there is an audible version as well. I did notice that. Um, So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me here, Leah. Thank you.